0: Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 159. Hello, hello. Okay, I am going to start with a public service announcement, and this is going to help everyone who is listening. So please send it to a friend. The announcement is the best way to lose weight, if you're interested in losing weight, is to shit. Take a shit. Probably like three times a day. Take a shit. And watch in three weeks. Your weight is reduced. I'm telling you. I've been shitting like like it's a job. Like I I get paid every time I shit. Like, oh, the more I shit, the more money I make type of thing. I wish I get paid for for all the times I shit. I'm saying this because... I've been taking a shit for, I don't know how many times within a day. It's definitely giving more than once. And it's not even giving, I'm so sorry, this is TMI, I know, I know, but this whole podcast is TMI, if you really want to be honest. It's not giving diarrhea. It's just giving, as soon as I eat a meal, even a snack, my body got to shit it out. And it's not even like it's, oh, my body is in pain. It's just I have to now release that meal that I just ingested. And I just came across some pictures of myself from April of 2021, okay? Just last April. And my weight was more than the weight that I am currently. And I I feel like it was so far away in my head that I was a bigger size. But then I'm remembering, yeah, I used to weigh in the 140s, like early 140s, like 142, 143. And I remember when I was at that weight, I would go to the gym and be like, okay, I got to lose this weight. or I kind of put a little pressure on myself. I wasn't like super like OD about it but I just remember feeling and seeing the added pounds on me um and feeling how my body will be a little bit more snug but now all of a sudden and mind you I don't track my way I don't I don't I got time for that I just wake up and realize oh I look different today you know what I've been noticing recently is that when I will wear the same outs- the same outfits that I wore when I was 142 or 143, now those pants feels a little light. I could run my thumb at the hem and feel so much space. Um it doesn't feel like it's hanging, but like certain pants are super loose, you know? And I guess I have still enough curves to fill it out. But, yeah, I'm not in the 140s anymore. I'm 135, right at that mark. And looking at, I came up with, you know how your iPhone, I don't know if Android users have this feature. Sorry. (laughs) But with iPhones, you get accosted with, here are some pictures from the past. Like, damn, am I trying to see that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, in your photos, you have a plethora of images from years ago. I still have images from when I was a soft, no, when I was a freshman in college. Okay, and I will get reminders, it's like how Facebook does it sometimes. Whenever I'm never on Facebook, but whatever. Um, the times when I used to be on Facebook, it'll give you reminders. Here's what you was doing here's what you were doing on this day in 2013, like, it's 2022, okay? But yeah, your iPhone does the same thing. And so just recently I came across some images of myself from just last year, last April. I'm like, oh my gosh, my face was a little bit more chubby. And I was a little, a little bit pudgy around my my midriff area. I'm looking at myself now, and I I definitely see and feel the weight difference. And the only change from then till now is just, I've just been shitting. (laughs) Like, there's no secret sauce. Oh, I didn't work out four times a week. I mean, I work out here and there, but honestly, I have been working out consistently in like a month. Um, it's just, I I don't know, but yeah, so that in case you are interested in working out, but then the question is, Oh, what, why are you, you know, what, how can I shit more than once? You know, people say you got to shit more than, or at least once a day. Yeah. That's not a minimum for me. It's like three times a day. I mean, maybe it has something to do with my endometriosis, (laughs) so maybe I'm just a special case. Um, unless you you too have endometriosis and you could shit more, but everyone's case of endometriosis is different. Anyway, I just felt the need to share that with you all. <laughs> shit, that's go shit. Um, I also want to give more personal updates. So I decided to go back into therapy. <clears throat> Yes. Yes. I made the executive decision for my mental health to seek professional help. Now, one may ask, why? That you were fine. Aren't you good? Are you crazy? Um... So, as you know, I I believe I shared on the podcast that I have been in therapy before. The last time when I was in therapy, it was only virtual. It was during still when the pandemic was still much of a word that meant something. You know, now it's like, is the pandemic over? Masks are no longer mandated. But, like, I'm still waiting to hear from Fauci's father Fauci daddy Fauci to make the declarative statement so that everyone else could feel okay to be completely maskless. Now, thankfully, my job no longer requires mask wearing. But honestly, even before the the green light to make masks optional at my job currently, because that's what has been the thing for the past two weeks or so, I wasn't wearing my mask. And I was like, okay like I'll I'll, you know how you could wear it you'll have one hanging on one you will have the mask hanging on one of your ears and then it's like oh it's on my face but I'm not putting it on I would do that sometimes but most of the time I didn't have it on and it's just like you know fuck the system fuck the system no no and another thing at this point (laughs) the way I talk about my job is like damn do you like it I do but like certain things I just don't like how people are so quick to be sheep. We have this thing at my job where you'll tap this machine to clock in. As soon as you enter the building, the expectation is to, to, to arrive to work at a specific time, and the expectation is to clock out at a specific time. And every day, you clock in, you tap your card on this little machine like you work at Target. I don't work at Target. Why am I doing this on a job that's salary? I get paid regardless. Like me clocking in at 7.45, right? Which is much later than I should clock in. But the point is me clocking in at a later time does not affect my pay. You know, like the, the whole clocking method is for jobs that are not salary-based, jobs that are paid based off of hourly wage. Not for a salary. So fuck that. No. So I haven't been doing that. I've been taking the deliberate stance to no longer tap my card. And, um, yeah. What, 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 what's that line that Sheree says from um, Real Housewives of Atlanta? Who gonna check me, boo? <laughs> who gonna check me, boo? Who gonna check who I'm really just, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just on a, on like, uh, just a bender of like, F this. It doesn't make, if it doesn't make sense, I'm not doing it. If it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, what was I talking about? Okay. Anyway, so last time I was in therapy, it was because, not because, but, um, it was only virtual. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. it's only virtual. And look. That therapist, shit was cool. It was fine. But here's the thing about me, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a little aggressive. I talk like this all the time. And if I'm not talking like this, my energy is just depleted. It's like, okay, I had a long day. <laughs> or, okay, I'm just like, you know, I'm not putting too much energy right now because I'm just chilling. But for the most part, I'm expressive in all of my emotion. And I felt like with that therapist, this woman, a black woman, I didn't feel like she had enough tools to handle me. Like, when I was speaking, I was just speaking. Like, there was no, like, okay, let me talk, right? Which she does, which she did, but... Rear me towards a direction where you could correct my way of thinking, or like teach me about what anxiety looks like and how to better management manage it. She was just kind of letting me talk for the most for the whole time, and we finally got to the end point. Like she wasn't really leading the conversation. and it felt like I was doing all of the work. <laughs> like I'm sorry. Did I get certified in this? Like, do I, am I doing your job? And it already felt like a lazy-ass time because I'm in my home, she's in her home, and we're just talking. Like, no. Anyway, for the most part, I wanted someone who was – who matched my energy when it comes to what, what I need in my therapist. I need someone who yeah, – has answers. I need someone who's able to lead me, who's able to tell me, okay, here's what I want to try with you. Here's what, like, here's some methods that we could practice. The last therapist I had, the only, like, practice or method that she gave me was, I remember, um, I guess, in one, like, spiel that I gave her, I wasn't demonstrating uh, my self-esteem well enough, I guess, or, I don't know. Like, I guess she she wanted me to practice writing down 10 things i love about myself. And it's like, what? That's not the fucking point. I I do love myself. You're not listening to what i'm saying. Like and so she gave me PDF documents of worksheets <laughs> that's like five things i like about my my physical appearance. Five things i like about my personality. It's like, girl, am i five Am I five? Like what's going on today? It was just like very baby ass practices and it, it didn't show me that she knew what she was doing. It, it showed me that she knew how to Google and send an attachment for me to complete. And mind you, the next session, she didn't even bring it up to me. It, was, it wasn't it was like, oh, here, you know, the last, the homework that I gave you, I, I had you do this. Um. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the five things you love about yourself. Let's talk about the top three characteristics that you love about yourself. She didn't even bring it up. <coughs> Excuse me. She didn't even bring it up. She didn't even bring it up. Like, okay, girl, Like, do you, do you remember you gave me homework? So it was just really whack, honestly. It was just, like, bland. I felt like I was doing more of the work. I was talking more. Um, <clears throat> She would just kind of sit back and... And I feel like I have an aversion against black women. Is that is that the right word for it? Aversion. Let me look that up real quick. I feel like I just oh dang. Yeah. Aversion means a strong dislike or disinclination. Yeah, that's accurate. I (laughs) let me let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Oftentimes older black she's the older black woman. I wanna say she's probably in her early fifties, late forties. I feel like there's this idea of what a woman should look like or act like um, who's my age in comparison to her. And, look, th- this could all be wrong, right? This is, all, this is just my perception. So I could definitely be wrong. I am not always right. <laughs> um, But I feel like she wasn't just – I feel like she could have just been – Someone who wouldn't be comfortable with a personality like mine. You know, I think it takes a different type of woman, a different type of female to befriend someone like me. And what I mean by that is I'm just an aggressive person. I feel like I'm more of a guy's girl than I am a girl's girl, even though I do have female friends. And I value those friendships. I'm not, like, a typical female friend. Does that make sense? Like, I don't always want to be with you. I don't always want to be together in order for me to do something. Like, I'm fine without you. Yet, women like her, I feel like... I don't, I don't know if I'm articulating myself well. But anyway, I just... Overall, I think there was just, I don't know, I need that aggressive, I need that testosterone energy. Like, I I notice with women, some women, of course, I've met a few women who match the energy that I need, but for the most part, I typically meet more women who are not like me when it comes to that, more women who are more calm and collected, now, as a therapist, maybe that's her job to be calm and collected. But let me, I'm gonna tell you the difference though, because a therapist who I have now, who's in person, who's a man, he is the aggressive, call it out, just know what he's talking about, assertive, yet gentle. Like he's not over talking me type of thing. But he knows what he's doing. Like, it's he, like, he's doing his job. You know what I mean? And the woman I had, it wasn't like she was doing her job. It felt like I was just leading the conversation more. And where, like, where are you leading me? Like, where are we going to next? Like, I want you to paint a goal for us. You know, like, okay, Maxine. Here's what I want to practice with you. Here's uh, um, something that I've learned in therapy school and I want to practice it with whatever. Anyway, I decided to go back into therapy and I decided to specifically filter for an in-person therapist. Now, I say that because it was very impersonal doing it virtually. And I just want to really be out of my element. I feel like going to therapy while at home was not really therapy to me. It just felt like a little cop-out situation. Like, okay, we're here, but I'm really home. Like, I'm not really paying attention. I mean, I was paying attention, but it's like, I'm not really 100% in this environment. Instead, I'm at home and I'm on a call. Like, how, Like, how focused are you really when you're on a call? Anyway, so... I was searching high and low, searching high and low, um, couldn't find nobody. That <laughs> song. I was high and low. Okay. Um, the the filter that I used online all resulted into virtual visits only, and yada yada yada. So thankfully, shout out to my job. <laughs> um, there's a therapist on campus who I spoke to directly and asked, "Do you know anyone?" Right? any one of your peers, any one of your colleagues who offer in-person services. She gave me a name. I followed up with that name, gave that person a call. Um, we scheduled a therapist appointment that week. So that same week I called him. A few days later, I saw him in person, and then boom, I'm, I'm on his couch. And when I tell you, I'm healed. I'm healed. <laughs> like, no, it was a really, it was really good. It was really good. It was much needed. Um, what I enjoyed about it was, yes, it's in person. Um, it just felt so present. Like I was going I wasn't wearing a mask, he wasn't wearing a mask. He gave me a handshake. I shook his hand. Um it It was just nice. It felt like, wow, we're living in a real world again. So we're we're discussing. he's taking notes as we're discussing my like the responses that I answered that I answered the questions to um, on the paper, right? So what happened? So anyway, we're talking and. Like, he's learning more about, like, why I'm here and, like, a little bit of my background. And he offers, based off of what I tell him, I'm still working through some trauma. And he named it. He recognized it. He gave it a name. He he, he was like, you know, I'm still, it sounds like I'm, like, reeling from some PTSD, from my childhood from sexual trauma that i witnessed and experienced it at the minimum i guess but he was like paint like he was creating um like these points for me to cover and like providing a solution and giving it a name like no one that I... The last therapist didn't even say PTSD or didn't even say trauma. She she was just, like, letting me fucking talk. And, okay, an hour passed. You want to schedule your next session? No, I want you to give me an answer. Tell me why my mind is rattling the way it is. <laughs> and this guy, this current therapist that I have, gave me an answer. And after he said PTSD, he was saying how... What did he say? He was like how um, he recommends, he wants to do EDMR with me, which sounds like a drug, right? Let's let's talk about EDMR. I heard of it, um, and I think I looked it up months ago. And um, I realized that once he said it, it hit me. Like, oh, my gosh, I remember – looking what this was like months ago or like even a year ago, I think. But anyway, EDMR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Now, you know, I always talk a lot about like my anxiety and that stems from trauma that I experienced. And he was saying how EMDR helps reprocess and reframe your mind, your thoughts into not replaying what happened in the past into not recreating imagination, you know, uh, imagination and, and scenes that, you know, that never really happen. And it focuses you. So basically, he was saying like, there's different ways to do it, right? He could tap my my, my, um, my lap, but he's like, you know, that may not be the most comfortable, right? So I'm like, yeah, that, well, you can do something else, <laughs> right? Um, but like, he could, basically, it sounded like he was going to hypnotize me. Um, like, just kind of focus my thoughts on a particular thing. And while I do that, he'll ask me a few questions, like, you know, what do you see? What are you seeing right now? Um, like, what comes to mind when you're Here, I don't know. But I'm here for it because I like strategy. You know what I mean? Like, I like to know, okay, here's what we're going to practice. It helps for this. And basically, he was just saying, yeah, it helps with trauma. It helps with anxiety. It helps with all that. And I think that's amazing. Like, I like to know that, wow, we're practicing something. As with the last therapist, here's a worksheet for you to fill out. Bitch, I do love myself. Like, that's not the problem. <laughs> There's no issue with that. But anyway, I really enjoy that. So I'm excited. The next time I see him, next my next session, we're going to do the EMDR. And then during that session again, not only did he provide me with a, a step moving forward with something that we're going to do next time and a few more times maybe Um, uh, he said, here's what we're going to, here's what I want you to do, or here's what I'm going to throw out some ideas and you grab onto whichever one you want to do, you know, for homework, quote unquote. He mentioned the word grounding and I'm like, is grounding when, um, you know, you, you take your feet outside barefoot and you just stand next to a tree? uh it's not that <laughs> so ground, I mean, maybe that's a way to ground but it's not that necessarily uh, and I'm trying to remember what he said verbatim but I'm looking it up and it says grounding is basically when you find your breath um like you recognize the physical tangible things that you see around you you use your senses to help you to focus on the present that's great and then he mentioned another technique for me to try is called, like, face your fear. Like, like okay, so what? Okay, so, like, I would – I like to plan everything out. I like to be very detailed and, like, okay, after a therapy session, I'm going to go get this, I'm going to do that, you know? And I always freak out if, oh, if I plan this and if, if it doesn't go well, then – Oh my gosh, right? So I'm immediately going into the what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? And he said like, "Give me an example." So I said like, "Okay, well, what if I can't get something to eat right after work?" Or something something like little like that. But like I would I would think about it in such extremes. And he's like, "The answer is you'll figure it out." Right? Like, we don't know. Like, we don't know what happens if it doesn't happen in your plan. And be comfortable with that I don't know. Like, saying I don't know doesn't have to be attached with fear. If you don't know what's going to happen next, okay, you don't know. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen literally in the next minute. But we know right now, right now is, is the present is what you can focus on is what you can just be present in, but we can't be immediately uncomfortable and in fear because we don't know, right? Like, and even if you say, oh, I'm going to, even if you have a solid plan, everything maps out. We don't know if that's going to happen the way you planned it. Like, nothing is, like, sure and concrete. We don't know. Anyway, the, the way that he was explaining everything was just amazing. Like, it resonated so well with me. It sounded like he knew what he was talking about. Like, he's been doing this job for a while. Like, he is confident in this field. Um... It just felt really good it felt really really good so and that couch that I was sitting on it felt really really good like it was a really comfortable couch as soon as I sat down I sat down I was like you have a really comfortable couch <laughs> no anyway it was a really good time I'm proud of myself um but yeah I think um for the most part for me like I said I think it's just anxiety that's just sometimes it takes over me and it leaves me stunted and I feel so like I depend on me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's me. I don't I depend on me. And I look at like some a few other people who have help or who have someone to lean on in a sense. And I feel like, what if I can't do it? Like, what if I fail myself? And so that feeling just, like, overwhelms me, and then I'm stuck with, like, irrational thoughts and thinking that, oh, my gosh, I don't – I'm incapable. I don't have – I have nothing. uh, You know, what – what was I thinking? I, I go down this rabbit hole of, of doubt, of feeling inadequate. And it's just like it, it's been happening too much and too much lately. And I think this whole like adulting thing and navigating through finances for me is also a trigger point. It's also an anxiety-ridden point. And so, like, I found a solution for that. Like, I I created a new budget plan, and I'm in a program that helps with, like, consolidating debt. So I'm looking forward to that. But then there's that also, that fear that comes in of, like, you know, what if it still doesn't work out? Like, what if – anyway, I'm working through that in therapy. And uh, maybe this is a sign for you to go to therapy. (laughs) But I think I've been on this podcast, and I will say, like, you know, fuck therapy type of thing, but I think it's just about sticking to it until you feel like you don't need it anymore. I don't think you have to go to therapy, like, your whole life. I just think when you've been going through consistent just patterns of mental strife, maybe you should check in. Like, maybe you should just be like, hey, you know, I just need some help. <laughs> like, it's okay. Anyway, yeah, that's the update. And um, you can't wait for my next session. Okay, changing topics. So we have here another Jada and Will discussion. <laughs> now, assuming... These um, quotes are true. Let me go ahead and read it. So there is a recent news that Jada said she wishes Will never slap Chris, and she said that she doesn't need protecting, and that she regrets that he did that. Now, it sounds wild, right? Like, dang, like, he just defended your honor. You know, he, (laughs) he stuck up for you. He defended you when this man ridiculed your bald head, even though it wasn't really a ridicule. But anyway, and for her to say, hey, you shouldn't have done that. And I don't need a man to protect me is a slap in his face. Like it is, it's karma back, you know? Um, but there's more to that. So then I came across another article of Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith saying that she never wanted to marry Will. She never wanted to marry him. Yes, I said that. Yes. She said that allegedly, who knows if this is true. But, you know, it is true. She actually said it. Yeah, she said it. And she said it on the Red Table Talk. Um, Will knew this. He's He was at the table. But anyway, she said that she really didn't want to get married to Will Smith. She was coerced to do so by her mom. Because at that time, I think she was 23. And she was pregnant with their oldest son together. And um, it just was, like, the natural next step to do, right? Because I don't think they grew up in a religious household, but even in certain black homes, um, the expectation is to, you know, make an honest woman out of her and, you know, you impregnate her, just marry her, you know? Why not? And I feel like uh, just because I'm having your baby or just because a woman is having a man's baby, it doesn't mean that there's there was an intention to also marry you. Like the whole association of that is kind of strange, right? Because people fail to realize, hey, you know, sometimes pregnancy is not a planned thing. And so when the woman ends up pregnant, and then the argument is, well, uh, what do you think is going to happen if, you know, you have sex? What happens? I, I get it, but still. Anyway. But, yeah, so she decided to marry him. She actually was crying while she was walking down the aisle. She hated the wedding. And, anyway, it, like, all of this is coming out just <laughs> just hit after hit after hit. You would think Chris R- Rock was the one who slapped Will because the way that Will is getting slapped – and just, just like pounded at this point, it's embarrassing. Like, dang, like th- this man here decided to defend and honor his woman, honor his wife. And news after news after news, you hear Jada still fucking with August Alcina. <laughs> it's like I didn't hear that part, but you know that's that resurfaced a whole entanglement resurfaced. You hear. There's this news that August Alsina actually recorded a new song that discusses the entanglement. Then you get the news that Jada didn't want or, you know, didn't like that Will did that and didn't need protection by him. And, you know, that whole strong black woman trope that feminist black women will push. Like, no, I'm weak right now. Like go ahead and defend my honor. Like I I can't walk anymore. Defend me. Like, you know, but Jada presents that. And now hearing this, that she didn't really want him, like (laughs) didn't really want to marry him. It's like, damn, at this point, when's the news going to break that a divorce has been filed? I'm really waiting for that. I'm, I'm, I feel like it's gonna come up, yo. I really do, but anyway, Will. So, there's this other news. Let me, let me see if I can find it. Let's see. Let's see. Of um, so, this is what I've been gathering because I've heard this news like a while ago that basically, when Jada was 37, Will Smith decided to prepare and plan extensively and very much with detail her 40th birthday like he planned it literally 3 years in advance once the birthday came about he was so excited to to um just present this celebration for her he invited all the people who he thought he needed to invite invite and like made it very elaborate. And in his mind, he thought he was honoring his wife. He thought he was doing the right thing. Jada gets to the event, she's pissed. She's pissed. She doesn't like anything. She's giving everybody attitude. She gave him attitude. And mind you, the birthday, the 40th birthday celebration was a weekend Event. It wasn't just like a one-time dinner. No, no, no. It was a weekend itinerary. Here's what we're doing at every hour of the hour event that Will Smith planned three years prior. They get to the hotel or wherever they were staying, and Will's like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? Because he's noticing an attitude shift in her. And she's like, "I, you did this for yourself. I never asked for this. You did this to to stroke your ego. And Will is like, (laughs) nigga, what? Let me see if I can find the news. Will Smith plans Jada's, yeah, Jada's birthday. Because my God, today. But anyway, um,. She's looked at as ungrateful, basically. Like this is has been resurfaced, and Jada's look looked like as an ungrateful person because she hated this this extravaganza that Will Smith prepared for her. And um he said, quote, Yeah, your 40th was my low point. He said that, um, when he hired, like he hired a team to orchestrate her 40th birthday, quote unquote. What else am I seeing? He said it was going to be a splash. It was going to be my deepest, most beautiful proclamation of love. It was going to be the thing that lifted her out of this midlife crisis. However, once the party was over, Jada, to Will's surprise, did not like the party at all. She told me. That the party was the most ridiculous display of my ego. Will said, talking to Will Smith, his daughter, who was also at the red table, Will admitted to knowing to this day that it crushed him. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow, right? You really think you're doing something for the love and appreciation of your significant other. Come to find out your your significant other hates every bit of it and feels like it's just an example of your selfishness. Look, I feel like because he was preparing this for three years, I'm sure she knew that he was preparing something big for her, right? I'm sure he said something like, hey, I'm planning something for you. It's going to be big. I I wonder at what point (laughs) was Jada going to tell him, hey, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. You know what I mean? Like, at what point did they have a conversation and it was clear to Will that, okay, this is what Jada will be happy with and this is what Jada will not be happy with? Like, did they never have the conversation? Now, nowhere in this story does it detail exactly what happened for Jada to say that it was a a big, what'd she say? a big display of his ego um a ridiculous display of his ego so I don't know what like was it a slideshow of just Will Smith like I don't know like what does that really mean um could he he messed up I'm reading this comment so see someone said people commenting on this and saying Jada was ungrateful needs to go read Will's book the man Um, clearly stated he messed up because Jada already told him she wanted a quiet celebration. Okay. The whole world was wild, but she wasn't, and it was her birthday. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. Fair point. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. If I don't want something low and quiet, why are you making it a big deal? Ah, You know what? I might have to side with Jada on this point. I do. I'm not a big party, um, big crowd, everyone focus on me type of person. Like, I'm really not. I get really, honestly, I get a little anxious. Yeah, I get anxious. So I would rather something quiet anyway. Even if it's like, you know, people are like, oh, it's, it's your big 40s, your big 30. Uh, okay. I still want a quiet, intentional event. You know, like, I don't want to just have a big party just because of the age that I'm turning. I think that's just like bullshit. You know how people get so caught up in it's Valentine's Day. You got to make sure everything's perfect. Like, but did he love you on a Tuesday, though? Did he love you right on that Wednesday, though? Like, it's not that serious. Um. Okay, so I agree with that. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so I think overall you have – You have two people who don't listen to each other, right? (laughs) You have Jada saying, I want something quiet. And yet to Will's mind and to his ears, he hear, oh, she really wants something big. You know, people be like, I really don't want a gift. You know, we don't have to exchange gifts. And then they're secretly hoping that you still give them a gift. This is an example of that, but in reverse, Ultimately I think their their marriage sucks. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the fact still remains and there's a there's a disconnect present. Um I'm I'm just waiting. I'm waiting, y'all. I really see something happening. That's big coming up. Like a divorce or something of that sort, but uh, we'll see, we'll find out. Okay, let's discuss Ready to Love. Now I'm ready, I'm ready to love. Okay, Ready to Love, Ready to Love. Um, clipped and enjoy, let's get back to it, let's get back to it. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot t- of talk and discussion surrounding the fact that Clifton has a three-year-old child. Now, I don't remember when he said that. Um, I honestly don't remember if he's ever said he like did he say he has kids? Like, I don't remember that part at all. All I remember is he said that he's been married twice. <laughs> so I guess. Okay. Sure. You have a kid from that. Um, I guess it pans out, but yeah, all I remember is that let's, let's, um, let's believe that he does have a three year old child. Now the argument that I'm seeing is, well, it's a red flag for a man who has a three year old child to be on a show about being ready to love. You know, how can a man with the three year old child be ready to love? what does my child need to be five years old for me to be ready to move on to my next love is that it like what is going on like people act like when you have kids you can't be interested in finding a soulmate (laughs) huh or that three years is not enough time to be ready to move. I just didn't under, it didn't hit me. I feel like maybe if the child was three weeks old, shit, and I'll even give it if it's a three month old, like, dang, you just, you just wrap things up with your child's mother. And even then though, like say if he wasn't with his child's mother and they decided to part ways prior to the birth of the child. I, people move on. Like, I just don't want to, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense in my head. That whole argument of, well, he just had a child. He's not ready to love. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, if he's been disconnected with the woman, with the child's mother, it doesn't matter how old the child is, Right? Am I wrong? Like, please let me know. Um, but I just did. I just felt like that was just a dumbass reason. I think there's a lot of haters when there's an actual connection being shown on the screen. I think a lot of these commentators that I see, they're just. They can't really genuinely be happy. <laughs> like, I feel like they're looking for something wrong. And. I'm just seeing a lot of hate towards Clifton and Joy. I see a few supporters like myself, but, you know, like I I talked about it on the last episode, the whole, you know, oh, why is Joy, quote, unquote, so thirsty, and she's doing too much when it comes to Clifton? What? You like somebody, you like somebody. Like, I'm not playing the game. I'm not going to wait an hour before I respond to your text. I'm not going to wait until you text me first. I want to talk to you now. I thought about you right now, so I'm going to text you right now. I happen to be around your neighborhood, so I'm going to pop up at your house right now. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Honestly, don't do that. Okay, let's talk about the time when I did that once to Leprechaun Bay. And um but I did it on the wrong context though. Like if you had an argument over the phone either via text or via on the phone call with your man <laughs> and y'all end the argument on not good terms, like it's still an argument. And <laughs> you hop in your car and drive to this man's house unannounced, I mean, he's not going to say leave, right? He's not going to say, what are you doing here? You're not welcome in, right? And you enter the home, you're still heated, you're still hot. It's not a good night. It's not going to be a good night. When I haven't makeup up sex, no, I'm here to still argue you down. I'm here to really, like, talk shit. That's, you know, you don't do that. I wouldn't advise anyone to do that. Don't do as I did. Let me be the example for you because my God, that was the night that ended it all. If if you want to be honest, (laughs) that was the night when I got abusive. (laughs) If you want to call it that, but I mean, can women really be abusive? I'm I'm kidding. Yes, we can. But that was the night when it really kind of went haywire and I just don't advise anyone to do that. <laughs> but I think, like, aside from that, though, I think, you know, yes, you, you should be mindful of your your partner's time. But if you want to do, like, a cute, oh, you know, I want to be sexy for you type of thing and you pop up, I don't feel like that's an issue. I, I really don't, especially if, like, you know, neither person has nothing to hide, <laughs> right? If, If there is something to be hidden, then maybe that's not the best idea. But if both people are on the same page, I don't see the issue with just, like, popping up sometimes. Um, On some, like, hey, I, you know, I stopped by your favorite restaurant and I just ordered you something, you know, here it is at your door or I'm coming in with, I don't know. But anyway, I... You know, I just don't agree with the whole rhetoric of women needing to be just kind of chill and, you know, don't show him that you like him. Play hard to get. What? <laughs> For what? It's going to make him like you more. Huh? It just I'm not I'm not in third grade anymore, you know? And I feel like I just resonate with a joy with her because it's like, I like you. I like you, you know, we doing it. We doing it. You like me back. You like me back. Like when i not playing games, it's not going to be a, I think she likes me. She texts to me sometimes. It's not going to be a wonder. Um, but yeah, I just don't appreciate people calling her like thirsty and whatever. Anyway, this, this critique that they have a lustful relationship, Let's talk about lust. I feel like some people are just using that word as a cop-out when it could just be, I'm just attracted to you. Like, on top of everything else, on top of the, the psychological, the emotional, the mental draw that I have towards you, I'm just really sexually attracted to you. Like, you turn me on. We don't need any help in the bedroom. Just You, just as you are, turn me the fuck on. Is that a problem? I'm sorry. Oh, and I turn you on back? Like, it's mutual? Boom, fireworks. Shouldn't it be lustful? Like, shouldn't there be lust? Like, I would hate to be in a relationship where there's no lust. There's no oh I want to pound you right now, I want to jump your bones. It's just like oh there's a <laughs> there was my man right there okay. No, I should feel like oh my god there was my man right there there was my man right there like, you know what I mean. So I like why is that a bad thing? I guess the comment made it seem like that's all they have and she's always on she's always on him and. It's just too much. And she's always jumping on him. I would want to... Like, I would want that. Like, that's... I don't know. That's how I feel about my man. Like, it's just like, I want to jump on you right now. <sighs> I can't breathe. Like, it, it feels... I want to feel like that every day. Every day. Like, if there's a moment when I don't feel lustful, it's a problem. <laughs> it's like, no... Of course, it shouldn't all be lustful. Less, like that's not the point. The point is there should be lust in a relationship. I should feel lusty towards you, and it shouldn't just be oh on your birthday, <laughs> or oh we just watch porn, and now I feel lusty. No, no, no. Every day. Most of the time, most of the time in your presence, I want to feel giddy, I want to feel horny. Look, I was, um, (laughs) I was watching this video, this live YouTube video of this woman. She's an older woman, I want to say she's like she's older than me, like a good 15, 20, whatever. Right? She was talking about her marriage and she was saying that her man no no no. she was I guess she gives advice to some women in her life and one of the couples (laughs) one of the couples that she gave advice to who's a married couple the the wife was talking to her and the wife was saying like yeah like he wants sex um, um he wants sex twice a week twice a week and this woman, this YouTuber who I watched, she was like, What? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's too much. And this wife, who she was advising, she never says no to him. As far as whenever he wants sex, she, even if she doesn't want it, she'll still acquiesce and they will have sex. And she said they will have sex as often as twice a week once or twice a week twice being the maximum it sounded like and i'm watching this video i'm like i'm sorry is that a lot Twice a day. For real. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm too lustful. I feel like that's a healthy relationship to me. That's a part of a healthy relationship. Now, let's say it's just sex and you don't meet anything else that I need to be met, you know, that needs to be met, right? Like, you don't meet my emotional needs. Like, we never talk. You never make time for me. There's no quality time. You never ask me how's my day, but we just have sex. We just have sex a couple times a week. Hell, just twice a week. I want to be happy, right? Because sex to me, like in order for it to be good sex, it has to encompass everything that I appreciate in a healthy relationship. I have to feel like, prior to us having sex, and even while we're having sex, I know that this man values me. He cares about me. He listens to me. We talk often every day. We check in. We th- like. There's a rapport, more than a rapport. There's a friendship. There's a connection. There's a respect. Like all of that comes into one. So, considering that is all together and I'm also sexually attracted to you, vice versa. Twice a week is nothing. Are we talking the same speech? Like what what is the light on? Do pigs fly is twice a week a lot for you? Girl, I'm reading this. I'm like, "Dang, is it because of my age is it me?" Am I to blame? <laughs> but I think there's a lot of women around my age who don't really care about sex like that. Like, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the Aquarius and me. I don't know. But I feel like that is, lust is necessary. Like, we have to have lust. Even if, like, say if you're with someone who everything else checks the box right like oh he's he's so nice he cares about me right um he he checks in on me we talk often but um i don't want to jump his bones then it's a friendship it's platonic there's nothing else to discuss aside from friendship platonic time you're just my friend i have i have a couple of guy friends And I don't want to jump their bones. We're friends. Like, and even if they they are, like, a handsome fella, right? Oh, look at that that young yeller. Okay. Overall, when I look at a romantic relationship, lust is a factor, and it doesn't make it negative, you know? So I just think this whole, like, oh, well, join Clifton – it seems like they have a lustful relationship. Okay. But aside from the lust, there's more that makes them connect. They seem to really get each other mentally. Um it seems like and like he said himself that she finishes his sentences and they understand each other and <clears throat> excuse me. My voice been cracking like a lot. But like There's this understanding between them. So I think, like, that makes it even more of a dope relationship in my head. Like, what is the issue? Overall, I've concluded that you got some fucking haters. Like, there are just some haters who give critiques of these shows, and they're really not looking or interested in a couple that's actually founding – that's actually finding love with each other. Like, wow, you have someone, and I really hope, you know, wish them the best. We'll see on the reunion. But even the next episode, we see that Joy, she says she's moving to Mexico. Like, bitch, what were you gonna say that? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You say this when you meet his parents? <laughs> that's when you say the whole Mexico thing? Okay. But okay, sure. You know, I don't know how that's gonna go, how that's gonna work out. I wanted to learn more about Joy as far as, like, what does life as a professional singer looks like? Like, does it look like traveling a lot? Um, how was she financially? You know, um, what like, what does a day in the life of of a professional singer looks like? Uh, and we don't get to know more about that. So I'm wondering if, I'm hoping that we do get to learn more about that from her soon. But yeah, I just want to get to know her a little bit more. But look, ultimately, like, if she moves to Mexico, maybe just for a short period of time, I don't know. I don't know what he does for a living. I don't think it's not, I don't think it's that much of a red flag or like an issue because, you know, niggas could travel. Like, you could figure, you could figure it the fuck out. Figure it out. Either way, I, I'm rooting for them. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Like I really am rooting for them. I wish them the best. Okay. Um, Sabrina is a joke. Ooh. Now, it has come to my attention that remember that exchange that Car not Sabrina uh, that Sabrina and Laverne had when Sabrina had to, to relay the news to Laverne that he is not ready to love, but she didn't get a chance to say that because he came in hot. <laughs> um, I, I need to watch. I don't like watching backwards, but from what I'm remembering, I remember Laverne saying that she's petty or something. Like, he was calling her out on something. And because Laverne was just corny and like just weird already it it wasn't believable but come come to the present we see that sabrina really is someone who is childish in some ways when she said that comment to donovan now anyway donovan let me say donovan When she said that comment to Donovan about you might be next or you're next to go type of thing, she, I guess in her head, she was saying it jokingly, but to Donovan, it came off like she was coming at him, coming at his neck and making it seem like she's the one who holds the the power and she holds the carrot. And um, you have Sabrina who it doesn't seem like she's ready to love at all. It looks like she's just ready to be chased and wants to be chased by two men. And yet she's recycling reasons why she has reservations for Donovan and Demetrius. Now I'm hearing that, Oh, well she should have gave Tori a chance. She should have really just focused on Tori instead, instead of wanting a Demetrius who is too cool for school. Now Demetrius is too cool for school, but I do agree with him regarding he's not going to put in 100% to someone who is also dating other people. And Demetrius never really showed interest to someone else. Like it seems like he's really only focused on Sabrina. So, I could get that. I get that. Um but aside from that though, Demetrius is corny. Like I don't <laughs> I don't see his personality. And that's what I mean by corny in this sense. Like, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he's about. Like, he just looks too serious and just, like, I'm too cool for school type of guy. Like, what makes you laugh? Do you, like, dance in the week, on the weekends? Like, what, (laughs) do you, like, break dance at some point? Like, what's going on? It's just, he's so fucking boring to me. Like, what? What do you do for fun? You know, what, do you paint on the side? Like, what, tell me more about you. Like, there, we don't know anything about him aside from he used to be in the war. (laughs) Okay, gotta go. Used to be in the what? (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Uh, Okay, gotta go. Like, do you like to cook? What's your special dish? Like, what, I don't know anything about Demetrius. He's just boring to me. He's boring. So, aside from that, I feel like Sabrina is just uh, someone who wants attention, and it is—it's um—it's corny to me. I think it's corny to me. I think I don't think she's really gonna end up with anyone. I think she's just playing the field, and it is what it is. Sabrina, uh, not Sabrina Tina let's talk about Tina Tina is a ghost I think the only reason she showed up was to create a scene like oh she showed up last minute and I'm sure you know they get paid something for the amount of episodes that they do but ultimately I don't understand her I think though what I was seeing in her was anxiety being presented I think she was overwhelmed with the entire process we saw throughout the season when she started we saw that she wasn't able to really handle the dating process she was absent a lot of the times there was one excuse she couldn't find a sitter her car broke down she didn't even show up to one other event when i think they were meeting um the the men's significant other or like somebody she didn't show up. <laughs> <It's> just, what? <laughs> Someone else could have been on instead of her. Like, what are we doing? Anyway, I'm rooting for Clifton and Joy. I'm tired of people hating on them. Lust should be a factor amongst many other things, but lust should definitely be a factor in a healthy, romantic relationship. If there is no lust, then there's no last. What I mean by that is that it's not lasting. It's not going to continue. Because I'm going to lust someone else. Someone else is going to lust me. Or, you know, like, ugh. oh yeah. But anyway, let's talk about Married at First Sight. Let's get into Married at First Sight. All, all, all I want to say is this. Noi is annoying. Hila- that is so funny to me. I came across that comment or that joke that someone said, and it still stays with me to this day. Um, Noy is annoying. Like, oh, my gosh. At the very least, I, I just don't know what, like, what else to say about her aside from just that she's annoying, she's childish, childish, and... She is just insufferable at this point. I think Steve could do so much better. I really like Steve. I think he's a really good guy. He's a good man, Savannah. Um, Steve is great. Honestly, I don't find an issue with him not having a job. Like, And even if he got a job to appease her, like, I'll get a job, it's not going to be the answer there's going to be resentment because, one, he's not going to want to stay there at the job. Um, He's not going to be happy because, oh, he got the job because she wanted him to get the job. And it's just, it doesn't match who he is and the life he wants to live. I really want us to get out of this mindset of 9 to 5 is the only way to live and survive in this world. You know, I wish we lived more of a France lifestyle. The French really don't give a fuck about working. They have more days off than anything else. They they clock in whenever they want. Um, There's no American rush, you know, have the New York Minute rush that, you know, that is present in New York City. There's none of that in France, from what I know, according to the show Emily in Paris. But aside from that, it's just... I just don't agree with noise perception of life. It's very rigid. It's very in the box. I need to have 3 kids. Girl, what? Let's be able to have one. You know, like let's let's start from right now in this present moment. It is so fucking dumb. Steve, look. Again, I like him. I think he's a good guy. He's a good man, Savannah. I feel like maybe he's doing this on purpose as far as not giving her a clear explanation of his finances. Maybe he's doing it on purpose because he doesn't want us, the public, to know. I don't know because I feel like at this point, it should have been squashed by now. Maybe that's just their storyline that they're running with. But at this point... Why are we saying the same things over and over again? Like it should be handled. Like, hey, bitch, (laughs) I got a million in the bank. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I got seven hundred fifty thousand in the bank. We're good. Our three kids that hasn't been born yet—they're good as well. I'm sorry. Hello. And on top of your, your income that you're never going to let go of because you need to have a 9 to 5, that's going to help as well. But I promise you, we're good. And I think for Steve, and this is why I feel so solid in me saying that about Steve. I don't know if he has 750000 I don't know if he has a million. Look, I don't know. But I do know... Synonymous to IT is money, okay? Synonymous to engineering and that sort is money, is is uh, six stacks, is six digits in the bank. Like, it's all synonymous to those types of jobs. I could be wrong, but I'm not. You know, so I'm rest assured, okay, and, Another reason why I say I feel solid in that Steve is financially well off is for him to say to Noy, hey, you know, maybe open your mind to not working either. Like, you could take some time off as well, and we could just be time-off individuals. (laughs) That makes me feel like, oh, he got enough money to cover the both of us And we can live comfortably enough, right, with reason. But that just makes me feel like, oh, okay, he's not snatching pennies and trying to make $15. No, he's good, Noi. Stop being annoying. I just, uh, look, that's ideal to me. Oh, I don't have to work? Okay. (laughs) It's like, No. Look, as much as I shit on working the job that I work. But I don't know. I I do value work. Don't get me wrong. I think it's about, like, loving what you do, you know? If you love what you do, then it doesn't feel like work. I really do believe that. And I I love podcasting, right? I love talking. I love having these conversations. I would love to do this full time. So that's ultimately it. What I do for a living to make money, I love doing it. But there's a lot of things I don't love about it. There's a lot of things that I wish just wasn't with the territory. And um it just is what it is. So, but if there's a partner, Steve is presenting himself as someone, look, if you want to take time off, we can. I can let you know that. We're good. I will hop on that like, okay, nigga, let's do it. Or like, let's figure out a plan together and we'll just be entrepreneurs. Like, Steve deserves someone who is an entrepreneur like him. He deserves someone who values life the way he does. He deserves someone who wants or who sees more to life than clocking in and clocking out and tapping your card on the machine even though you work a salary job. The fuck? I'm not doing that. I haven't been tapping my car on the salary on the on the thing for like four weeks now. Who won't check me, boo? No one has says, no one has said shit to me. And I I I wish someone would. It doesn't make sense. Again, I'm at a point in my life where if it doesn't make sense, I'm not doing. I'm not just gonna acquiesce and let you hit it from the back. No. I'm not just gonna acquiesce and let you hit me raw. No. It doesn't make sense. I'm getting paid regardless. If I clock in an hour late, 30 minutes late, it doesn't matter. I'm still getting the same check the time that I get it. Like, what are we doing? Is this for you to tell me about my attendance? Shut the fuck up. I teach my classes, though. (laughs) All right, let's end it here. It's been a day. And um, <laughs> I'm practicing grounding. I've been – when I tell you after that therapy session, y'all, literally literally the minute after and the day after, there was this calm that came over me, y'all. I don't know if he put something in the tissues that I used to, to wipe off my tears when I was crying during a moment in that session – I don't know if he put something in the air and it just caught on to my spirit. I don't know. But what I tell you, there's there was a calm and I still feel a calmness, but like a fresh calmness. After my session, I felt more at ease. I felt like I left with tools. That's what I'm saying. Like I left with tools after that session. I left feeling more hopeful, more determined to continue on this journey of mental health and and protecting my mental health okay you know you're like I mental health but what about mental health it's about protecting my mental health so it just felt really good it felt really really good so anyway okay I'm gonna end it here thank you all for listening I appreciate every listen and I will check in with you guys next time <laughs> goodbye Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built this Pod. God bless.